The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium's sports betting podcast. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can follow us on Twitter at StadiumBets. We'll be posting all of our best bets there on Fridays. And you can see some videos from the uh, from the podcast throughout the week. You can see our beautiful, shining faces giving us some picks um, and, and every analysis in between. Nate, how are you doing this Wednesday? Pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some games. I actually have two best bets that I'll give out at the end of the show. So a lot better games this weekend in both college and the NFL. So ready to get to it. Yeah, let's just start right away with our Sharp Lessons shortlist. Three college football games we're looking at, three NFL games we are looking at. Now, this isn't necessarily the games that we are for sure betting or giving bets out for. We just want to look at these. And then by Friday, when we give it our picks, I think that's going to be the day where we're going to give uh, another look at these games a little bit more in depth to see what we like. But let's start off with the marquee matchup of the weekend in college football. Number six, Michigan, number eight, Michigan State in East Lansing. It's the game day game. Game day is going to be there. Um, it's got all the hype going for it. This is the first time in what, 50 something years, I think, that both these teams have met as top 10 teams. Michigan uh, laying four, total 50 and a half. Um, and Nate, just seeing this line, did you have an immediate reaction to, to one direction or the other? Not really. I think this is about right. A lot of people might be thinking, oh, Michigan State, maybe a little tempting as, as home underdogs. And I know they have had a very good season in Michigan State. Have to give credit to Mel Tucker, especially given the circumstances of we took over last year and it was after signing day and before the pandemic. And he really didn't have much to work with last year. And has built a pretty nice roster through the transfer portal and has gotten some good quarterback play from Peyton Thorne and running back play from Kenneth Walker, a transfer. Uh, but Michigan State, just not as good as their 6-0 record and their number eight r- ranking. They were lucky to beat Nebraska earlier this season. They were lucky to cover against Indiana earlier this season. But at the same time, it's a little bit hard for me to trust Michigan's offense to cover a number like this as a favorite on the road. And that's going to lead me to the best bet of the week, I guess, for college football. I might have something Friday, but my best bet will be on the under, so I'll get more into that later in the show. Yeah, I think that is the direction, especially when you think of Michigan, Michigan State. You think two teams that love to run the ball, and then when you know that, you just think time-consuming plays, and and you think the clock is going to continually run in this game because Michigan loves to run the ball. They're a top-five running team in the uh, in the nation and then Michigan State loves to run the ball too I think they average over 200 yards a game on the ground so both these teams are going to be running the ball and and that's going to consume clock and they're they each don't have that bad of defenses so that 50 number seems just a little high yeah when I think of Mel Tucker head coach of Michigan State I obviously think defense he's been a defensive coordinator for a long time was a defensive coordinator for Nick Saban and then Kirby Smart at Georgia before becoming a head coach. And he had an extra week to prepare because they were on bye. So I'm sure he's going to have a very good, strong game plan against Michigan's run attack. And 
we'll, we'll talk more about that later. I don't want to give oh, tip my hand too much, but uh, <laughs> the under makes a lot of sense for me. I think the spread is correct. I'm going to stay away. I guess if you like, I, actually, you know, I don't know. I would say if you like the under, usually I tend to look for the underdog. But now that we're at four, I saw some line movement just before we came on to Michigan four four and a half to four. Uh, probably a stay away in terms of the side, uh, but I, I think it's pretty correct line based on wh- where I think the total is going to go, and then based on my doubts for how good Michigan State actually is. Yeah, I, I like it. So we'll talk more about this. We want people to listen to the to the whole podcast. You want to give it all away right at the beginning. So we'll move on to another marquee matchup that a lot of people are excited about. Number one, Georgia taking on Florida in Jacksonville. Georgia laying two touchdowns as the favorite, minus 14. That total is at 51. Um, and you know that very important two-touchdown number when it comes to Georgia games. We've seen them kind of hover around 14, minus 13 and a half. Um, are you laying... Are you laying 14 with Georgia against a Florida team, which we talked about on Monday, knows Georgia pretty well? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not laying it with Georgia. If anything, it's Florida or pass. We we talked a little bit on Monday's show because there was a line move in the total where the early money was on the over up to 51 as it opened somewhere in like the mid to high 40s, which makes sense because the last time we saw Florida, they got gashed by LSU and now Georgia maybe has their number one quarterback healthy in JT Daniels, although it sounds like him and Stenson Bennett could see time going forward. My thing with Florida in this game and why I can make a case for them is Dan Mullen, a great offensive mind. You give him an extra week to prepare. He might be able to figure out Georgia's defense. He also has a lot of familiarity going up against Kirby Smart back in the days when Mullen was the head coach at Mississippi State and Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator at Alabama. So a lot of familiarity here, even though Smart has, for the most part, gotten the best of Mullen in their matchups, whether it was at Mississippi State and Alabama or at their current schools. They've had three meetings as head coaches at these schools. Smart is two and one. Although last year, Florida did win 44 to 28 in Jacksonville. So Mullen kind of got the monkey off the back, beating Kirby Smart. However, Florida's offense was pretty loaded with Kyle Pitts. Uh, who's doing great things on Sunday for the Atlanta Falcons. Kadarius Toney, who has shown some real signs of how good he is with the New York Giants before he got hurt. And then they had Kyle Trask at quarterback, who was drafted at the end of the second round. So a little bit different this year for Florida in terms of offensive personnel. And Georgia's defense is better. But the point spread, always the great equalizer. So I'm tempted to bet on Florida at this big number. I'm probably going to stay away just because of some concerns with Florida's defense and maybe Georgia used the bye week to get their offense going. It's really interesting looking at the history of this matchup. Uh, and I know, especially in college football, the history doesn't mean too much, but the favorite is seven and zero in the last seven matchups. However, that number has not been as high as 14 um, in a long time, in over 10 years. Um, the highest number it looks like was Florida 11, uh, minus 11 and a half in like 2014. So this is like the highest spread this matchup has seen in a long time. So that's, I think, something to keep in mind when you're thinking yeah. about this game, even though the favorite has hit a ton. And I throw away some of those results when Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp were roaming the sidelines. <laughs> and for Florida, it was not very good years for the Gators. And <laughs> Mullen, at some extent, has got him back on track, although it was interesting doing some research about this game, how Dan Mullen apparently is on the hot hot seat, if you look at some of the, the Gators' yeah. blogs and and uh, message boards. So 
We'll see. I didn't think that we'd see Dan Mullen as the one on the hot seat uh, out of the SEC head coaches, but it's uh, low patience for some of those fan bases down there. All right, Ole Miss at Auburn. Ole Miss, 10th team in the country, Auburn 18th. Auburn minus 2.5, that total, as always with a lot of these Ole Miss games, very high at 66 in this one. Um, and, And just... Immediately seeing a line like this, Nate, I think I would lean towards a team like Auburn playing at home. Um, I, I I like Old Miss and, and how well they have played, but the home team not even getting a field goal in this one, like I I kind of like that number at two and a half for Auburn. Yeah, I think this is a tough spot for Ole Miss. Just looking at the stretch of games that they're on, they play. This is the fifth straight week they're playing. And that stretch after a bye week pretty early in the year is at Alabama. You had that Arkansas game that ended 52-51. And then at Tennessee, and that game was completely crazy with the delay with fans throwing stuff on the field and golf balls and mustard bottles and kind of that mess that we saw in Knoxville. And then they come back last week and they beat LSU at home. But now you have to go to Auburn. So that's kind of just like an insane stretch for Ole Miss right now. I really want to bet on Ole Miss. It might be more of a bet, though, because I bet Auburn under their season win total at 7-7.5, seven and, seven and, and I really need Ole Miss to win this game because Auburn is a surprising 5-2. and two. Really would have liked Georgia State to pull off that upset against Auburn uh, yeah. about a month ago. That would have been really uh, clutch and probably maybe changed my handicap for this game. So I don't want to be too biased towards that season win total bet because mm-hmm. we're more than halfway into the season. So I'll be rooting for Ole Miss, but the spot for the Rebels is very difficult, especially since Auburn is coming off a bye week. Yeah, I think it's it's a good spot for Auburn. Um, and unfortunately, I, I think they can win this game for your, for your Auburn underpick, but it would make sense for you to bet on Ole Miss and just kind of double down on something like that. Just well, might as well. Or uh, you, you can do like a mini hedge with Auburn and see if they if, put some money on them to win this game. Yeah, but if they won by one or two, then I would uh, lose pretty much everything. So yeah, probably going to stay away. Line. I'm invested. I'm invested enough in Ole Miss or, or sorry, Auburn under win total where I probably won't have to make an extra bet on Ole Miss. Maybe if it hmm. got to plus three, I'd consider them because I still think Ole Miss is a better team than Auburn. But the situation, as I mentioned, fifth straight game for Ole Miss with high stakes and Auburn coming off a bye week. And and Brian Harson, at home, Brian Harson, first-year coach, you always kind of give an uptick to a first-year coach who's able to kind of implement his systems and schemes that I'm sure he did um, after some extra time off. All right, so let's look at three NFL games that we have. We have a couple more college football games we're going to get to later on in the show with our situations of the week and when we talk some of these bets out that we're still uncertain of. But looking at some NFL games, Nate, Packers at the Cardinals. Packers, uh, or excuse me, it's, I think Cardinals are minus uh, six and a half, right? Or is it the Cardinals? Yes. It, it's the Cardinals minus six and a half, total 50 and a half. And everyone is going to be probably on a Cardinals team like this. They know the Cardinals are the best in the NFL. Um, they have the best record in the NFL. They're just rolling. Everything is, is looking good for them. But this could be a, an interesting spot for a Packers team. And and Devontae Adams is most likely not going to be with the team. But I think Aaron Rodgers has a pretty good re- record, even without Devontae Adams. He does. But I also think he had other decent options at receiver. And he also be without Alan Lazard. They're already out. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, so it's a very thin receiving options for the Packers. 
So the line reopened in this game Sunday night, Cardinals minus three and a half. It got up to four. And then we got that COVID news before we recorded on Monday. I think we maybe talked about this game briefly and said that it was Cardinals minus four because we were talking about how in the grievance section, how the Packers kind of won and covered, but got a little lucky because Washington couldn't convert in the red zone. Yeah. So I think this Packers defense could definitely be exposed by a better offense in the Cardinals and the Cardinals will be able to score. However, there was better numbers available early in the week. You mentioned Rodgers does have a pretty good record even without Adams. However, the I just I can't bet this game right now because there's a chance more COVID uh, news might come out. The defensive coordinator Joe Barry is also out. So by the time you're listening to this, this number might be a little bit different. The Packers might have more COVID news. So definitely key stay up to date on that. But at the current market, Cardinals minus six and a half. The total a little bit down, 50 and a half. This is a stay away from me. And what I was excited to watch, probably one of the better Thursday night football games of the year if both teams were at relatively full health. Yeah, it's. I, I think you're right. The uncertainty in this game is a little too much. And that line's just a little too high for me when you talk about the uncertainty for the Packers. And then with a team like the Cardinals, when I see a team that's undefeated and has been rolling and has been playing well, my initial instinct now is just say, I think it's time to fade them at this point. And I think we have kind of thought that the past couple weeks with the Cardinals, whenever they have played. And I don't know if this is the week where it's going to be good to fade simply because the Packers have COVID issues, like you said. So yeah, that number is definitely a stay away. That total, the total seems about right with how bad that Packers defense is and has been. Um, so this might be, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good stay away game, at least right now. Once we get to Friday, maybe know some more information. We'll, we'll be able to bet that game with a little more clarity. Uh, Buccaneers at the Saints. Buccaneers minus five and a half, total 49 and a half in that game. Um, and we saw that Saints game on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks and Jameis looked like the, the Jameis of old and then just did not really know how to run a good offense. And the Saints offense didn't look great. Kamara played well, but that was really the lone bright spot for the Saints. So Buccaneers laying five and a half in this one. Does that number seem a little short to you? No, it doesn't. I'll actually make the case for the, the Saints in this game. Buccaneers looked very good, pretty much a perfect effort against the Bears, at least for the first half in a in the late afternoon window. Nance and Rome were on the call, so I assume most of the country was getting that game and were watching that game, so they looked very good. Buccaneers struggle against Geno Smith on Monday night. They win but fail to cover. So I think it's a perfect situation to go to the Saints, who didn't look good last week off a of bye. Buccaneers played nearly a perfect game. I'm a little bit worried about backing the Saints just because the Buccaneers' offense is playing so well. So if it got to plus six, that's probably where I would get involved. But I think it's, for me, either Saints or pass. Uh, Last year, this game was played in the divisional round of the playoffs without fans. The Saints closed minus two and a half in this playoff game. So we're seeing an eight-point line adjustment in this game. And there's some things that have changed in this game, like Drew Brees retired and now it's Jameis Winston. But the condition of Drew Brees at that time wasn't very good. I don't think he could really throw the ball downfield and attack the Buccaneers secondary. So I don't know how big of a drop off it is between Brees and Winston, even though I have my doubts about Winston. And the Buccaneers went on to win the Super Bowl and their offense is playing very well. But I don't think an eight point line move now that you have fans in the crowd is warranted of that big of an adjustment. So I believe this line's inflated. So for me, it's Saints or pass. If it gets to plus six, I'll 
probably have money on the Saints this week, and it'll be a mention in the uh, Friday show. It's, yeah, I, I think inflated is a word, and also when someone like me sees this line and sees Buccaneers minus five and a half after how well they played and how poorly the Saints played, it's one of those too good to be true lines. And right. when I when I say that in my head, you know, you get like that bell going off, like don't think this way because that's the number that they want you to see and say, oh, you got to hammer the Buccaneers, and you're getting them at a premium. You're probably thinking, based on last week's results, why isn't this line already at six or six and a half? Why is it still yeah. a five and a half? And I think the idea is once it gets to six, we're going to see some resistance, and there's professional betters kind of circling the waters waiting for six, especially because six is such a key number in the NFL. So, I mean, maybe the Bucks win and cover, but I'm willing to bet these kind of bets more often than not and hope to win more than half of them where you're just getting a, a home team as a big underdog with the favorite kind of inflated based on my numbers and probably based on what the numbers should be. Cowboys Vikings. That'll be a fun matchup in Minnesota. Cowboys minus two and a half with that total at 55, Nate. And I know you have been a Vikings better throughout the uh, first half of the season. Is this going to be uh, continuing on Sunday? Well, I thought it would be, but as we are talking right now, there is some line movement in the Vikings' favor as they're down to plus two. So this morning I even saw a plus three. So this happens on Wednesday a lot in the NFL where there's probably the most line movements is I believe a lot of sports books raise their limits so people can get down more money. They don't want to tip their hand early by betting what they like at lower limits. They want to get as much money as possible on it. So they don't want to bet it too early. So Wednesday tends to be that day. And it looks like the Vikings uh, support is coming in the betting market. I would have loved Vikings plus three. Probably should have uh, jumped on that when I saw that this morning. But <laughs> I'm also thinking it's a primetime game Sunday night. Cowboys, a very public team playing very well. I can see this line maybe ticking back up on game day. So I'll be patient here. But, yeah, Vikings are passed for me. Right now, the Vikings teaser makes sense if you can find something else to pair it with. Uh, but, I mean, I was I bet the Cowboys last time they played, because both teams are off a bye, I bet the Cowboys against them, against the Patriots. They covered because they scored a touchdown in overtime as three-and-a-half-point favorites. This point spread was at least kind of a similar in the similar range. So, for me, I don't see why I shouldn't go back to the Vikings, who have a have a very strong home field. It's a Sunday night game, and it's a game they really need to win because they're playing at the Ravens next week. So to get to four and three would be very important for the Vikings. So um, kind of like the Vikings, but <laughs> probably missed out. So I'm going to be patient and maybe bet this on Sunday. Yeah, and this again, we know Dallas is like one of those teams, right, that people just sometimes bet automatically because they're the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So. I think waiting if you're trying to bet against a team like the Cowboys is is probably the move, right? You, you just want to wait to see more people bet on the Cowboys. You're probably not going to get much more money coming in late on the Vikings. So it's only in your favor to just wait for the Cowboys uh, to get the money by Sunday and then hit those hit the Vikings team before Kerry's done singing the, the anthem. Kerry, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a Kerry Underwood while she's singing the uh intro song to Sunday Night Football <laughs> yeah. kind of bet, especially if, uh, I mean, we'll see. It's it's only Wednesday. I don't think we've had any, like, injury information in terms of practice reports. So, I mean, things could bounce around. So even if you missed the Vikings at plus three like I did, I wouldn't be taking, like, plus one and a half right now where it looks like it's trending too as we kind of do this uh, 
live on air looking at the the line moves and the screen our screens kind of updating. Let's do our situations of the week. What's the situation? Nate, we have a couple good situations we wanted to look at. Hangover situations. Uh, Lousy hangover. Illinois, the obvious contender here for a hangover game going into nine overtimes against uh, Penn State um, and winning that game at Penn State. And then we also have Pitt coming off that game against Clemson. Yeah, so for Illinois, it's pretty simple. You have that big win, 25-point favorites against yeah. Penn State. You play nine overtimes. We like actually don't play nine overtimes because of the new overtime rule where you, you're going for two back and forth, but still a big win for them. And now you're coming home, 11 a.m. local start against a Rutgers team off the bye. I, I like Rutgers here at under a field goal. I saw this morning Rutgers was favored by one and a half. Believe it open, pick them. Uh, agree with that line move just based on the situation. Illinois, not a good football team. Let's let's take Rutgers here, even though they're not necessarily a good football team. Yeah. They're just the well more rested team, and they didn't have an emotional win last week. And then we obviously have yeah Pitt, and then the thing with I, I bet that Clemson game too. I was very unhappy with Clemson plus three and a half not hitting, um, but Pitt looks good. Yeah, but now they're favored by nine. They're playing, as you yep. mentioned, coming off that big win at, against Clemson. At least I guess they get to stay at home. But now they're playing a Miami team who I think we had some questions if they quit or not. They didn't quit. They beat NC no. State at home last week. I think the offense is actually playing pretty well uh, with their other quarterback now that De'Ara King's out for the year. So, I don't know, kind of a, a big spread game for a Pat Narduzzi team to cover, kind of like Miami here, just could – Maybe make a small case for them. Not as strong as liking Rutgers, but I would right. stay away from the uh, the pit hype after a huge win for their program last week. All right, sandwich game. Sandwich. Iowa State in that sandwich game uh, situation, coming off a win against Oklahoma State. They have West Virginia this week, and the next week they play Texas. So really a string of three pretty big games obviously West Virginia the least big of the three but they're coming off a big win against Oklahoma State at home where the fans rush the field much to your dismay and then they have Texas next week as well which is I'm sure a game they are looking ahead to and I actually went back and looked at our Big 12 preview podcast which was in uh, late July or early August I don't remember which one so we actually had this game circled as a bad situation for Iowa State (laughs) back when we thought Iowa State was going to be a potential maybe national title contender, or at least kind of flirting with the college football playoff. But as you mentioned, Iowa State stormed the field against Oklahoma State. They're playing a Texas team next week who I know has three losses this season, but they're the big program in the Big 12 that's now leaving for the SEC, so I'm sure there's some sour grapes over that. I uh, wish this game was at night because I feel like Halloween weekend in Morgantown would be an awesome atmosphere. But West Virginia did upset TCU last week on the road, so hopefully they, they're able to ride the confidence here, catching plus seven. I think they have a chance to win this football game at plus 200 or greater. Yeah, so bad spot for Iowa State off that big win with a big home game next week. So kind of rooting against Iowa State for uh, this bet, but also because they stormed the field as seven-point favorites and didn't cover against Oklahoma State. Another sandwich game, NFL sandwich game, a bit of a rarity. We have the uh, Cincinnati Bengals coming off a pretty big win against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, a game that I think made people take the Bengals a little bit more seriously. Now they play the lowly Jets this week, and then next week they are uh, playing the 
Cleveland Browns, the the favorite rivalry of both of these teams. So, yeah, coming off that win against the Ravens, have to play a, a game against the Jets, and then they go take on Cleveland next week, which is, I'm sure, a game they have scheduled on that calendar. Yeah, huge win for the Bengals, and it wasn't a fluke either. I know the score was a blowout, yeah. and the box score also indicates that, uh, outgaining the Ravens by a net two-point yards per play. This is also the third straight road game, though, and that kind of makes the situation sandwich off the Ravens' win is looking ahead to next week, your home game against the Cleveland Browns. So Ravens and Browns, two teams that are big division rivals, the two teams that were projected to finish the best in the AFC North this season, pretty much by far. And I mean, the Steelers and Bengals were kind of in that middle, and the Bengals even like the lower team at six and a half as their season win total. So I like the spot or to fade the Bengals. The problem is you have to stomach betting on Mike White and the Jets. I know the <laughs> spread is 10 and a half, so maybe that number, is, that number is inflated, but maybe he's completely horrible. But he's still an NFL quarterback. Zach Wilson hasn't played that well. The look-ahead line for this game was three and a half, so we have a seven-point adjustment based on last week's results and then the quarterback change from Wilson to White. I don't think – I think that's too much of a downgrade in my opinion. Anything double digits, I will – probably hold my nose bet the jets because the number in the situation says so i i i know this is a good spot and what you just said the numbers make sense especially with that swing i mean the really there's only a couple quarterbacks who would get injured and have that big of a swing zach wilson is not one of those in my opinion (laughs) but betting the jets is just it goes against every grain of any fiber in my being so I don't know. I, I, I may pull the trigger on that, but I don't know if I could make it like a best bet or anything like that. Betting on the Jets is is tough. Um, well, and then you you think look- that, yeah, I was going to say, if you think that's ugly, just wait till the next game we're going to. <laughs> and that is Liberty. Liberty is in um, a look ahead situation for them because they play yeah. Ole Miss next week. But this week, Nate, they play. We talk about the lowly Jets, lowly UMass. Is who Liberty plays. Um, what are what, what's the uh, what's the spread on that one? Isn't it like mid thirties? Yeah, Liberty is favored by thirty six. They're playing yep. one of the worst teams in FBS in UMass. So I wouldn't blame anyone for not betting this game. In fact, I probably won't bet on this game. But I just thought this was a unique situation to bring up a a look ahead spot in college football. And as you, if you don't realize why it's a look ahead spot, Liberty they're coached by Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze used to coach at Ole Miss. He basically had to resign and leave the program because of multiple reasons, including recruiting violations uh, after the 2016 season. So I think there's definitely part of Hugh Freeze that wants to play well and show out well with a, he has a very good quarterback of his own against Ole Miss. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much the look ahead. Hugh Freeze (laughs) in a homecoming game. Hugh Freeze revenge game, homecoming game. Yeah. And because of that, I don't know how focused Freeze is going to be about a game against UMass with a trip to Oxford next week. Yeah, it, uh, 36 is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of points to beat a team. And I know UMass is really bad, but, I mean, it does seem like one of those situations where he he might be focusing on Ole Miss so much that if they go ahead, you know, four touchdowns, he'll just pull the starters and say, let's just rest up, make sure everyone is okay for this very important Ole Miss game coming up. Yep, and for like a program like Liberty, who's an independent, to get 
a game against an SEC opponent in November on the road. That's a big game regardless of the connection with Hugh Freeze and his old program. So, uh, as I said, maybe not bet it, but just something to be a look on a lookout for that maybe Liberty doesn't. I, I guess it's either UMass or Pass. So if you were thinking Liberty this week, don't do it. All right, let's do um, talk it out. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's, What's that? Talk me out of it. Some bets, uh, Nate. You have you wrote down a couple bets you want to talk out. You got three teams: Texas, Mississippi State, North Carolina. So, what did you want to talk about with this Texas team coming in against Baylor? Well, it's a Texas team that, if you look at their last two losses, they really just had second half collapses. So, if they can maybe yeah. bring that 30 minutes of intensity for a full game, and they're coming off a bye week. I think catching three at Baylor, a team that I believe is a little bit overvalued and not as good as their record, is definitely something to uh, to consider. The Texas plus three is what I like coming off the bye week, and this actually might end up being my favorite spread bet of the week in college football. At least it's lining up to that now. And then there's Mississippi. They're a short underdog at home against Kentucky. Kentucky's off a bye week, but I just think that Kentucky kind of, I mean, I expected them to lose to Georgia, kind of how they did, but now they're playing a team in their weight class. The spread is close. I, I think Mike Leach could maybe pull off some stuff to confuse Kentucky's off or defense and and Mark Stoops. So kind of like Mississippi State as a small home underdog against Kentucky team that I think might be kind of at its peak. So selling high on Kentucky and then North Carolina plus three and a half in Notre Dame. I know North Carolina has been wildly disappointing this season, but they still have a solid quarterback in Sam Howell and just don't think Notre Dame's that good of a team, even though they have one loss. They've gotten fortunate in a few games, and then they caught USC with USC with a interim coach. So kind of like uh, North Carolina there. Yeah, I, that Texas game I can really get behind, and I honestly like – I kind of want to make that a best bet even today uh, because I feel like that line is going to start moving in favor of Texas as we get towards Saturday. But if they weren't coming off a of bye Nate, I probably would stay away just because I think that second half issue is seemingly not just a fluke considering they had it two games in a row. And if it was their third game in a row, I would say you probably stay away, see if it's still an issue. But coming out of a bye, I think this team obviously knows what the issue is. They know they have problems in the second half. So it would make sense out of a bye. They probably have fixed that. I think they're too good of a team to not have fixed that issue. I like them getting the points against Baylor. I know it's on the road, and I know Baylor can be a tough environment, but they're getting points. I think that's important. You get Texas with uh, with plus three. All right, best bet time. We have some best bets early on on Wednesday. Nate, you have a couple one. Couple uh, yeah. One college football, one NFL. Yeah, so going to get out early on these numbers because I think they're going to move. I like the under 50-and-a-half in Michigan, Michigan State. I know there was some 51 early in the week, so if that pops up again, that's definitely going to be a bet. I also like the first half under, but for best bet grading purposes, let's use the under 50-and-a-half in this game. I know Michigan State has had a better offensive season, but they're coming off a bye, and they have a defensive-minded head coach. I think Mel Tucker is going to have a very strong game plan for Michigan, a Michigan team that really relies on running the ball. And as you mentioned in the segment, when we're talking about this game, when both teams run the ball, there's a better chance of churning clock. And I just don't see either team really going to be able to have explosive plays in this game. So I like this as a low-scoring game. It's a noon start early, kind of chilly weather in East Lansing, nothing too crazy with the wind. But based on these teams' identities 
and the way this series has kind of gone as of late, I really like the under. So 50 and a half is what we'll grade it at. I think this is going to go down, so I'd bet it now. And then NFL best bet, Browns minus three and a half. This open minus three, I thought that number was pretty short. I know there's a lot of question marks in this game in terms of who is going to be the quarterback for the Browns. I would assume it's Case Keenum, and I don't think he's too much of a downgrade from Baker Mayfield, especially an injured Baker Mayfield. And I'm just not high on the Steelers, especially the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger aging, just an offensive line that's not really good. It's a lot of just like Najee Harris running the ball with him. And the Browns are getting a little bit healthier, it seems, on defense. It seems like they'll have Nick Chubb in this game. He's on track to play. And the right tackle, Jack Conklin, which means the Browns' offensive line will fully be intact, which is big against the Steelers' pass rush, which is the strength of their team. So I'm willing to risk betting three and a half now because I don't think this is going to get any lower unless there's a real surprise injury report or a COVID situation. So Browns minus three and a half will be my NFL best bet. Might have something on Friday, but I'm pretty certain that these two might be the only ones. So I got an NBA best bet for you, Nate. My last one uh, was the Bulls minus five in their opening game, which hit. So we're one and oh in NBA best bets. So hopefully this makes it two and oh, and it's going to be the Miami Heat. Plus three and a half. That line has already moved today. They were plus four to start the day. They're going to be plus three and a half now against the Brooklyn Nets. This is half fading the Brooklyn Nets just because I just don't think they are that good right now. And half going on a Miami Heat line, which I think is is not good line making. I think they are a better team than plus three and a half against Brooklyn. They probably should be closer to a pick in this game, maybe plus one simply because they're on the road. But Brooklyn's offense is the ninth worst offense in terms of offensive efficiency in the NBA. Miami's defense is a top five defense. And, and games that Miami plays this season are just going to be gross. They're going to be dirty. This is a team that plays tremendous defense, and they just get up in your face. I mean, most of the guys in the Heat starting lineup are really good defenders. So this is going to be an issue for the Nets. This is going to be one of the better teams that the Nets have faced this season. And their third leading scorer is Patty Mills. I, I just don't know how they score enough points in this game to beat this Miami Heat team. So I'm taking the Heats, Heat with the points, plus three and a half. Like the under as well, under 218, 217 and a half. But I'm going to make the best bet, Miami Heat plus three and a half. Sounds good. Uh you know, I think it's a good time of the year to fade the Brooklyn Nets, so I don't blame yeah. you at all with that. That'll do it for us today. We'll be back Friday night, our favorite time of the week, Picks Friday. We'll have all our best bets for the weekend, some NBA best bets, NFL and college football. And that'll do it for us, and we'll see you back here on Friday. Friday.